Hello and welcome to the Health in Focus with Jacobus podcast. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. The purpose of the show is to talk about health, healing and healthy lifestyles in a format that is down to earth and pretty easy to comprehend. Most shows will be conversations with experts in the field. However, sometimes I will do a podcast on my own tackling other topics that interest me. The focus is on information, education and even some entertainment. This is not a program where we diagnose, treat, or cure any diseases. In case this podcast and topic tickle your interest, please continue your own research by discussing it with a preferred medical professional, by reading books on the topic, or by doing more research on the internet. I am not a doctor, more like a journalist. I have been in this field for over 30 years, including a three-hour weekly local radio show for 19 years from 2000 through 2019. Through the years, I have also written many articles on health-related topics and have used other avenues to share what I've learned with others. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and that you will become a follower for more show updates. Also, please sign up at my website, healthinfocusnow.com, and receive updates on podcasts and articles. Thank you very much. Now let's go to today's guest and topic. My guest today is Rick Brunner. And Rick and I have known each other actually for a couple of decades, I would say. Rick, what do you think? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, on and off, oh, we've yeah. been in each other's lives. <laughs> I have, uh, right from the get-go, you impressed me with your interest in dietary supplements, your interest in health, in helping people. You have worked in the past with athletes. And uh, what you say yourself, you're an applied scientist and health coach with 35 years of experience educating many professional and college coaches and athletes as well as several thousand middle-aged and senior men and women. Your passion is educating people over the age of 40 how to build strong muscles and bones while also burning fat. Now, I know that that is why your interest is because of it is, I would say, almost an accumulation of what you have done in your professional life. Uh, you have worked with, young, with younger athletes and professional athletes, like you said, educating them understanding that and now you realize talking about people who are more let's say middle-aged that they're realizing certain things are just not working for them as far as um, burning fat gaining muscle and maintaining muscle and also getting stronger as far as hormones and bones are concerned to me what you and i have already discussed ahead of the podcast is uh, fascinating and i really appreciate you here well, thanks for having me on. I, I'm excited about talking about some really new science that uh, needs to get out to the world. When and, did your interest in this science start, and and what what are some of the things that are highlighting your research? You know, I, I started years ago um, in the, in the '80s working with um, elite athletes, like you said, and uh, I went to the Soviet Union. I was one of the first people, I think, in the science sphere in my nutrition area to go to the Soviet Union. I worked with Soviet and Russian scientists for oh, about about 10 years. Mm -hmm. um, some of them immigrated here, got them to immigrate to the United States, so I worked, continue to work with them. 
Uh, and uh, that that kind of sparked my interest in just overall health, not just athletic performance, because I have worked with a lot of very, very elite athletes and Olympians and gold medalists and whatnot. But beyond that, um, over probably the last 15 years, uh, I got more and more interested in working with aging individuals. Hmm. I'm 66 years old today, yeah. uh, you know, so I'm one great. of them. I'm one of them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and so I, I just wanted to, to, to really know and understand why um, we lose muscle mass as we age, um, we lose bone strength as we age, mm-hmm. and we build a lot of toxic fat as we age. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, and it's not just aging individuals. I mean, even young people now are are are, are starting to put on more dysfunctional fat yeah. Yeah. and losing and, and not having as much strength and muscle. So, but but aging individuals in particular, starting around age forty five, mm-hmm. especially when we we women transition into menopause and men into andropause and yeah. whatnot, testosterone and estrogen and progesterone balancing and all of yeah. that is an area that you and I have talked about. Um, and I, I have to tell you that I even talk to men, if you talk about men here, younger men in their 30s are telling me that they're concerned about, for example, the testosterone. So there are men who are literally paying attention to this already. So it is not just 40 and up. There are also in their 30s men and women who are concerned and they're already telling me, I feel I'm getting older. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, I, and yeah, it is, it is younger uh, as well. I, I kind of picked forty-five just yeah. as a place to to focus on, you know, and um, because I think it's 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 the most needed um, age, forty-five and over, forty-five, fifty-five, sixty-five, seventy-five, eighty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we age, we we tend to become metabolically dysfunctional. We don't burn fat so efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, blood sugar uh, can't get into our muscle cells to build muscle. Uh, things like that. So yeah, so that's that is uh, you started that about fifteen years. You observed it. You started working with it, reading about it, studying about it, talking to people, and you, in in a way, found con- confirmation right. in not just what the science is saying, but also you yourself talking to people of that age and and finding that yeah, when they actually think about their health and their well-being, that these were very practical issues in their daily life. Yeah. They don't always want to talk about it, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, the, what you said at the intro is, you know, we want to make this, I, I, I say, use words like, we want to make things simple for people. We want to make them science-based we want mm-hmm. so that we know that it will work. And science is never absolute. It's always evolving. You bet. Um, I think in, in the last three or four years, my eyes have been open to a lot more um, of great science has come. I mean, you can look at the, when I do, do science searches, I see, you know, the, the amount of science uh, that I'm looking at from the nineties and you know, on up and it's just escalating up, just spiking now. And so there's some really great science in the scientific journals. It needs to get out there in the real world, but it needs to get out there in a practical way. So things have to be simple. Um, they have to be doable. You know, somebody can do, do these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it has to be safe. I think that's another thing. You know, how much do you think diet has to do with this? I think diet has quite a bit to do with it. Um, I also think that lack of activity has a huge, huge thing to do with the state that we're we're, we're creating dysfunction in our in our society. Now, when when you say exercise, 
has to do with it. There may already be some listeners now who are going to say, oh, so you want me to exercise. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to exercise. I don't want to exercise. I don't have time to exercise. I have a job where I walk, where I lift, where I pull, where I be active. And now you want me to go to the gym and exercise. I don't have that kind of money, blah, blah, blah. So all of that is valid. Yeah. How do you answer that question or that comment? Well, I, you know, I think that people can, when they, once they understand that they don't have to exercise like three or four hours a day for five days a week and stuff like that. I, what I, what I usually say is let's get the train moving. Let's get the body moving a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, I, 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 you know, I I like that. I talk to, to people all the time, especially men that have, have physical jobs, you know, I mean, they're, they're shoveling snow. I mean, that's what they do in the wintertime, like in yeah. Montana here. Sure. And uh, so um, they're, they're, they're physically challenged. So, yeah, you take that into account. But a lot of people aren't in that kind of a job. They're sitting down on yeah. their rear yeah. all the time. They go home. They sit on the couch, mm -hmm. um, you know, and they eat the, maybe the wrong foods. And all that starts to add up. Yeah. And so I, I know that um, from my own experience – Exercise is essential for me staying healthy. I mean, it's, it's a, it, it, it just works. Now, what kind of exercise are we talking about? We're, we're talking about um, resistance exercise, lifting weights or resistance bands or something like that. We're talking mm -hmm. about endurance exercise. And then the, the third exercise that I like a lot is what is now called high-intensity interval exercise, which okay. is something working in a higher pace, getting your pulse rate way up, breathing is more labored. And high-intensity interval exercise turns on certain gene pathways that endurance does not, and it helps increase the burning of body fat very efficiently. And it's very limited in time. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, when I go to the gym, I see a lot of uh, people on the treadmills and everything, and I, some of that, sometimes I see them on there for like an hour. Yeah. Like, whoa, I would never devote that much time to an, a single exercise. I see. I sit on a recumbent bike, which is, which is a bike you sit back on, and and I um, I warm up for kind about... Of, you kind of pedal forward. Yeah, you pedal, you pedal with your... Yeah, it's like a, like a bicycle, but it's, you're just sitting down. Uh, and, and I start with maybe four minutes of just warming my muscles up after I've stretched a little bit. And then I warm that up. And then I, then I increase the resistance and I do an all-out sprint where I'm really pedaling fast. Okay. And I do that for 30 to 40 seconds. And okay. you're pretty well gassed. I mean, that's, oh, that's a sprint. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I back it down, the resistance down again. I, I, I pedal, you know, and it's, it's not down to no resistance. It's, it, there's some resistance there. But I, my breathing is easier now, and I'm breathing for maybe another th three or four minutes. Yeah. And then back up again. Yeah. And, you know, somebody can do that for a cycle of, oh. Well, even if you do it for a half hour, that will be great. A half an hour is a good amount, actually. Yeah. A half yeah. an hour, I do probably 20 minutes most of the time, and it works great for me. So okay. everybody's okay. a little different. But a half an hour is all it takes in that, you know. Mm -hmm. I, a lot of times I'll see people on a bike, and um, they'll be pedaling, just pedaling really slow, and they pedal for, like, you know, a long time. And I'm like. Well, that's not doing enough. Not, not Unless the paddling really hard. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by the paddling yeah. heavy resistance. I don't I, know. Yeah, I call it functional stress. The mm -hmm. body is made to stress itself functionally. Mm -hmm. Okay, so our bodies evolved under stressful environments. You know, we were out hunting wild game and everything. And even in, up into the 1800s, half of the people in America were farmers. So they were out the, on the fields, the fields working, and all of that. Yeah. So genetically, we're made to be stressed functionally. Now, what's what's that? Well, it's stressed in a certain zone. So exercise 
should be a functional stress. It should create create a sig- some signals yeah. that tell the body, okay, now we have to burn fat as energy. We have to stimulate muscle growth. I mean, those are the goals mm-hmm. of the exercise. So I think exercise is really important. So Now, you said, indeed, um, let's get the train moving, is what mm-hmm. you said earlier. Mm-hmm. So for many people who are listening... This may sound, okay, well, this is already pretty intense. That means I probably have to go to a gym. Um, for those who are listening or already do exercises, that may be a, a key for them to say, hey, yeah, I am one of those people who's always on the treadmill. I probably do something more resistance or high interval. Mm-hmm. Let's say people are listening. I'm not trying to get it down to the lowest common denominator here. I just want to explain that everybody can do this. A lot of people can, most people can do this. Right. You know, there are people who are handicapped uh, or who are really tied to a chair or they have lost legs or limbs. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot harder. But we're talking here in general for, first of all, about people who can do something about improving their health. Right. right, that's number right. one. Let's yeah. start with that. Yeah, you know, we can always adjust to those who are on the very difficult circumstances and are not able to do these exercises right now. But I've told people myself, can you do some push-ups at home? That's resistance exercise. Can you do some sit-ups? Can mm-hmm. you do some squats? You stand still. You do squats. You do twenty or twenty-five body squats. You already get the blood flow engaged and you already get going. Would you agree with that at this point? If you talk about let's get the train moving, that could maybe get people to do something, notice the next day that they're a little sore, right? and then encourage them to start to keep doing this and start noticing that they can actually do more. All of a sudden they could do 30 push-ups or they can do 50 squats or and then get going. And maybe they get that interest to at some point adding some weight, or maybe say, hmm, "I like this. Let me go to a gym." Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I, I'm an advocate of going to a gym myself. I mean, I train at a gym, as you know, and yeah. and I like it. Just I like to be around people too, you know, and just kind of be out there and yeah. have a variety of different equipment and things yeah. to train with. But but people can train at home. I mean, that's mm-hmm. no problem at all. I have friends that, that they train at home. I've given them guidance on some other things to do. You know, um, you can get resistance bands for resistance. You can get some dumbbells. You can get a bench. Um, you know, you can get a, with a, a free motion machine for home if you got the money. Yeah, you know, yeah, and there's yeah. some cable kind of things and stuff like that. So you can build your own home process, or like you said, you can just start with body weight. Yeah, just get it moving. Yeah, okay. And and it's baby steps. You know, none of us, even elite athletes, don't start as an elite athlete. They you bet. start on a crawl, you know, yeah. and then they make adjustments and they their body starts to adapt and it starts to feel better and. There's a lot of things that we do, like with resistance exercise and high-intensity intervals, that actually stimulate brain activity. Brain mm. brain-derived neural factor is mm. increased with um, through a, a protein called irisin, which is produced in, when we do muscle contractions, force contractions. And this irisin, which I'm sure most 99.9% of people don't even know what the word is, yeah. but it's going to be more prevalent because um, I look for I look for these signaling molecules, these proteins that are turning things on. We're just switches. Mm-hmm. We turn things on, we turn things off, you know. So yeah. um, irisin is produced in muscle contractions. Um, it also helps with, with cognition and brain activity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that's why, that's the other link now that we're finding with exercise can be good for your mental capacity as you get older as you well. Bet. So You bet. Yeah, yeah, and I realize that I don't want to simplify it all, Rick. I'm just saying that 
out of my our talks before the podcast, exercise is going to be beneficial and almost essential. It will be an essential part of the topic we're talking about, which is building muscle, losing body fats, mm-hmm. and strengthening bones. Yeah. And as we age, sure. it is simply necessary. And some people are genetic beasts. They just uh, they don't do anything specific, and they don't per se eat healthy, and they still become older and health, they're moving around, et cetera, et cetera. But again, you have some interesting statistics about what research has shown what is going on with the American people. Can you highlight some of that to maybe to maybe indicate the importance of what we're talking about today? Yeah, one statistic that just jumped out at me um, a, a, a number of months ago now, but um, I, it was a study done by some researchers from Rutgers, or excuse me, from uh, Johns Hopkins University and yeah. uh, the National Institute on Aging and a few other universities. And these guys are really good at predicting trends. Uh-huh. I mean, they're accurate. They've done it in the past and they're really accurate at pre- predicting trends of how fat we're getting and all of that. And what yeah. they found was that by um, 2030, which is... Eight years from now. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. seven, eight years. Seven. Uh, seven years eight, now, every say, year that yeah. goes by. By 2030, um, it's predicted in America that central obesity, and central obesity is just that your middle, it's your middle, okay? And it's one of the best things you can do to see how fat you are is to take a tape measure around your middle, okay? Mm-hmm. So yeah. central obesity is where a lot of toxic belly fat is is harbored. Uh, but central obesity is going to rise significantly by 2030 to where it's projected that uh, 55.6% of men and 80% of women will be centrally obese in America. Mm. That is not acceptable. No, I think no. that's cr- that's tragic. And so we need to make some course corrections. And we do that through the diet that we're eating, you know, what we're eating and drinking. And we do that yeah. through exercise. We do that through... Another, another topic we'll talk about, which is intermittent fasting. Okay. And then we do it through some select supplements that are signaling molecules for, and components of building muscle that we want to do and we mm-hmm. want to use. We want to have some herbs and things, that, the natural products that can help us burn body fat efficiently. Mm-hmm. And we want to have other, other, other um, nutrients that can help us put on muscle more efficiently. Do you feel that this prediction of 2030 is a result of people not understanding, the majority of folks not understanding specific concepts. Let me elaborate on that. There are a lot of people who will follow diets. They are the beach diet, the Atkins diet, mm-hmm. or carnivore diet, or vegan diet, or uh, macrobiotic diet. People always have this idea when I, have, when I do a certain diet, then I am going to be better. Obviously... With all that interest, these are still the predictions. Mm -hmm. So what do you feel is the part most of us do not understand about gaining weight, losing muscle, losing bone as we get older? I think think that you, you know, you you talked about the the diet industry, you know, losing weight and all that. Of course, we're we're now in January again, where it's in a new year. And I see it. I mean, I... I see it in all the ads now, the way, you know, lose weight, get healthy, blah, 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 blah. And everything is piecemeal, you know. Um, the weight loss people are focused on weight loss and, 
diet people and, and the, you know, the exercise people are focused on exercise. But it's a combination of things. Mm. It all has to work in synergy. Yeah. If it works correctly together, then the results are, are, are fantastic. The problem I, th- I have with the word weight loss mm-hmm. is that it tells me nothing. It tells mm. me nothing about what I lost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, people in- intuitively think, well, I want to lose fat. Yeah, but that's not, not the word weight loss. You should word- use the word fat loss if you really want to be accurate. Right. I want to okay. lose fat. Makes so sense. you definitively should say, I lost 10 pounds of body fat. But we're not doing that. We're saying, I lost 10 pounds. And if you don't know what you lost, then you could have lost five pounds of muscle. Yeah. The muscle mm-hmm. is your driver. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is it about muscle that burns fat? Well, there's little organelles in muscle called mitochondria, okay. which is your po- the powerhouse of your cell. It's the factory, mm-hmm. the, I mean the, um, the furnace that burns fat. Okay, and it's not in white fat cells. The main fat cells are, you know, are under your skin or in your belly. It's, it's, um, it's in some brown fat cells. Mitochondria are, are high in what do we have? We, we have called brown fat cells. We have some of them. They're thermogenic cells. They're, they're t- designed to produce heat. We all have those. We all have them. When we're babies, we're born with a lot more. But as we get older, we start to lose it significantly. So what I heard in the past is that brown fat cells are the older fat cells, the, the fat cells that never got burned and they just get old and stale. No, so no not, not at all. They're a totally okay. different type okay. of fat cell. All right. And we were, we have some that are limited. So I don't focus on those so much because there's not a lot that we can do to impact those. The brown, uh, the the brown, brown fat cells. But what we can do is we can manipulate the white fat cells, the fat cells that pretty much most of the time just store fat, store energy. They don't burn anything. Okay. They have to deliver it to the, the, the bloodstream, get it to the muscle where the mitochondria are, are, are harbored right. and have the mitochondria burn it. But you can actually reprogram white fat cells to become what are called beige or bright fat cells, hmm. which have some mitochondria in them. And then they become more thermogenic. They can burn. Okay. So there's things that we can do through exercise, through supplements, through our diet that we can reprogram even the white fat cells that we have. I see. Uh, to become efficient fat burners. Hmm. So white fat cells, brown fat cells, and how do you make beige wet fat so cells? So beige fat cells are produced, uh, that, I mentioned that protein called irisin before about it's improving cognition. Okay. It also improve. it also can make beige or bright fat cells. Let's just use the word beige fat cells. Okay. Kind of in the middle between the white and the brown. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So it can stimulate these, these white fat cells to become fat burners by increasing mitochondrial content in the, in the fat cell. I see. So now we've got a, we've we've got a, a friend now, Mm -hmm. you know, we're creating something that, that can really help us to burn. So that's another reason why muscle contractions are so extremely important. You know, it's like, we, you know, we're, we're dabbling around with our diet and we're cutting our calories and all of that, but we're really not um, juicing up our fat burning potential if we don't get some muscle contractions in there. So the, the white fat cells in general, you say they don't burn anything, but mm-hmm. they actually store fat. Yeah. So how are we able to activate mitochondria. So do the white fat cells have mitochondria in it like the brown fat cells? If they do, they have do, very limited, so limited. So how do we how, how do we get mitochondria to work? And you said the beige is, we, we can burn 
and use more mitochondria. So I'm just trying to understand. I visualize the fact that the white blood cell, white fat cells pull mitochondria out of the brown fat cells, but that's and then it becomes beige fat cells. No, they actually make new. They no, they don't. They don't do that at all. They just were really reprogramming white fat cells to become fat burners. Reprogramming. Yeah, them. yeah. Through, huh. through through irisin. Through the, this protein. Oh, through the protein, irisin. Yeah, so, okay. so irisin is going to help stimulate the conversion of these, these storage fat cells into pseudo or somewhat fat-burning cells. Now, they're not going to mm. be super thermogenic, but they're going to be a lot better off, okay? Because we need to burn the fat. Um, what happens is uh, the, kind of the evolution of how we get into this bad state of becoming not as healthy as we get older. Um, we don't build muscle as well is really through the delivery of fat into areas that we don't want it to be delivered, mm. okay? So initially, if we're, a, if we're in a very fit person, we have um, what's called subcutaneous fat, fat below our skin, okay? okay. okay. We don't have a lot of belly fat. We have some, yeah. okay? We have some be- belly fat, and we have some, belly, we have some fat. We have maybe a, you know, 0.5% of fat in our muscles and some in our pancreas and some in our liver and some around our heart. We have... We have some fat around those things. But then what happens is if our metabolism is off, then those white fat cells that are under our skin basically Mm -hmm. can't handle any more fat. It's like a vessel, like you fill a glass of water, you know, a water glass up all the way to the top. Yeah. It spills over. Okay. Sure. So it's got to go somewhere. So it's the same way that happens in our, in our white fat cells. They, they, they're, they can't store anymore. They can't divide anymore. So now that fat, spills over. So those those triglycerides, those blood fats. Yeah, yeah. So where does that fat go? Well, it starts to go into your belly. Uh-huh. So now your belly starts to expand. The fat cells in your belly expand. They expand. And then they get full. Wow. We got more spillover. So now where does the fat go? Where the triglycerides go? Then they go into your liver. So you have fatty liver. Okay. They go into your heart. They go into your pancreas. And especially they go into your muscles. Okay. Okay. Now muscles... When fat gets into muscles, and this fat is a fat like a fatty acid byproduct, mm-hmm. um, one form of it is called a ceramide. These fatty acids prevent nutrients from getting into the muscle cell. Okay. Okay. okay so now we got fatty muscle. Okay. So we always have some fat in muscle, just as a fuel source. Okay. Right. But now we're loading it with more fat because mm-hmm. everything else is spilling over, spilling over, spilling over. Mm-hmm. So now we've got fatty muscle, and now. Blood sugar can't get into the fats, into the muscle cell, mm-hmm. okay? Because mm-hmm. the signal is blunted, okay? There's a transport protein that's made in, in muscle cells called glucose transport 4. Wow. Okay, GLUT4. And when, when we eat a meal and we increase our blood sugar level, um, the pancreas senses that and it produces insulin, Okay. Mm-hmm. So insulin then goes to the muscle cell and knocks on the door. So okay. tell us first, what is insulin? Insulin's a hormone it's produced a hormone. in the pancreas. Okay. And it's Correct. produced when we eat and we have calories and especially blood sugar, it rises. Yeah. And then the insulin is designed to get that blood sugar into cells. Into cells. And, yeah. and in particular, we want them to get it into the muscle cell so it can, right. it can help energize the muscle cell and, you know, create strength and whatnot. Right. Okay. So, so the insulin is knocking on the door of the muscle cell, but the muscle cell's got some, a lot of ceramides in it and some other metabolic fats, and it doesn't get the message. 
So then the pancreas has to produce even more insulin to pound on the door of the muscle cell. Mm -hmm. Now the GLUT4 protein hears it, goes to the cell wall, and brings the blood sugar into the muscle cell. Okay. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so high blood sugar is just, a, it's not a pancreas problem. It's not an insulin problem. It's a muscle problem. Mm. 80% of blood sugar is processed through muscle. I 80%. See. So let's not make it hard on ourselves. Okay, let's just target the thing that's the problem. Mm. Let's get the muscle jacked up. And right. how do we do that? Right. Well, we get it through diet, exercise, intermittent fasting, mm -hmm. and certain supplements. We can, address, we can address this yeah. uh, primarily through the muscle itself. Hmm. Hmm. That's very interesting. I uh, really appreciate that. So the, it's called the glucose transport 4, is that what you said? GLUT4 is the main transport protein in muscle that, that is designed. It's in the cytoplasm. It's sit, sit, just sitting in there dormant. But when it gets a signal from insulin... It, it, it migrates up to the cell surface, the, the, the cell wall, and, um, and grabs the sugar and brings it into the, mu into the right. muscle cell. And that is another reason why you mentioned that exercise is so important because most of us, when we exercise, we engage muscles, which means the muscle is burning what's already in it, so Pumping. now it's ready for new stuff. It will actually transport sugar into the muscle without the need of insulin even. I see. It can do that too. But yeah, the muscle is, is, is just getting active muscle is really, really key to everything. And exercise and, and producing that irisin uh, mm -hmm. pro protein is extre uh, extremely important. Is there a way that we can enhance the production of irisin? Yeah, through intense exercise, That's through it. that high-intensity interval exercise. So it's a kind of a bodily relaxed there's reaction. Some, there, there's some nutrients that I've looked at to, that will, act, will assist in it. Okay. But I don't want to just, I, even though I'm a, a supplement researcher and I've done a lot of work and I've developed many products in the industry and whatnot, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of just popping a pill. I, just, it, it, I use supplements as a tool to get me what I want. Hmm. But I use other things as well. I use mm -hmm. diet, exercise. I do some intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, uh, and and then I take some supplements at certain times. Mm -hmm. Okay, to stimulate the process that I want. If Correct. I'm in a, if I'm in a fat burning cycle, yeah. where I'm doing, okay, so like I call it the trifecta. Um, I want to burn more body fat. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is I'll fast. You know, I'll have a meal maybe the or the night before, and then I will fast that night that you know over over when I'm sleeping, mm -hmm. and then I'll wait for a number of hours and, and so I'm in a fasted state and that mor the next morning when I get up I'll take some specific supplements that will stimulate this fat burning process too Yeah. and then I'll go to the gym and I'll do my recumbent bike high intensity interval pro protocol for 20 to 30 say 30 minutes Yeah. You know, usually usually when I do the fasting window I do, it a I do the high intensity intervals longer because mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm maximizing the benefit from mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. okay so I've got I'm fasted. I'm in a fasted state when I'm pedaling. I've taken this supplement that's signaling, yeah. and I'm doing the exercise. Okay. And then I wait for a little bit of time after the workout to get the, keep the fat burning going. Okay. And then I'll have a protein shake or something. And I may even time my interval sprints with, I may even do some resistance training in that same workout. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, why not? You know, kind of thing. So you get off the bike and do something else and get back on the bike? No, I'm done with the bike. I do the okay. bike usually first. Because yeah. I get that's my primary kind of a focus. Warm up. That's my primary focus. No, it's not a warm up. That's the interval that sprints. Is, yeah. So that's but that's my primary focus of that fat burning cycle. 
Mm-hmm. And then I and I can then I do some well I'm at the gym I do some other work too you know mm-hmm. why not mm-hmm. some arm some bicep work or triceps mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Rick, you are mentioning intermittent fasting. To me, that means that became very popular during the ketogenic diet, which still many people are using, and that means from the twenty four hour work of day cycle. Eight hours of eating, 16 hours of not eating. What do you mean when you talk about intermittent fasting? I, you know, I think there's a lot of ways to do intermittent fasting. I don't think there's one magic way. You know, it's just, it's really simply just not putting anything down the pie hole, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and so so it's creating, uh, what it's doing is it, it's just creating a need for energy. You know, the body's not getting any. Um, you know, I used that uh, the, the word mTOR before. Yeah. Well, mTOR is activated when we eat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you're fasting, you're not in mTOR. You're addressing other enzymes, uh, and I'll just briefly rattle them off a little bit. Uh, other proteins, AMPK uh, and PGC1 alpha. Those no. are there those other, are proteins. Yeah, there are other enzymes and proteins and signaling molecules that that do that turn on certain things, certain gene pathways and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, so um, when you're fasting, let's just say you're in AMPK, uh, and when you're eating food or you're uh, in recovery after a workout, you're you're uh, and you're you're taking in amino acids or whey protein powder or veggie protein powder or whatever you're. Now you've transitioned into mTOR. Okay, so. That's why I mentioned before. A lot of times, people are in hyperactive mTOR. Okay, their their mTOR is is is, is anabolic, but it, it can also be an anabolic in a bad way, like putting on more body fat. Okay. Okay. So, anytime you're over overeating or you're eating too often or whatever, so that's where intermittent fasting comes in. Is it it prevents mTOR from for being hyperactive. I mean, that's one of the contributing factors. So. I don't really understand that. So mTOR is anabolic. We it's want anabolic. it. We want it. So to usually anabolic means build muscle. Build, we'll, we build something. Build it's something. It's just building. Okay. Ca- there's anabolic and catabolic. Correct. So catabolic catabolism is breaking something down. Now, we could be catabolically breaking down body fat. Mm-hmm. We could also be catabolically breaking down muscle. Okay. Okay. So anabolic could be building muscle or it can be building body fat. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have to understand what we're actually building when we're doing things in our life during our 24-hour cycle. Correct. So if I'm fasting, I'm catabolically, uh, I'm creating a catabolic environment. Okay. Because I'm not, I'm not, there's, no, not, there's no calories going in. I'm not building anything. So I want, though, in that catabolic environment... To burn body fat. I don't want it to burn muscle mm-hmm. for fuel. Mm-hmm. Now, when people say they've lost 10 pounds, and we talked about this already, you don't really know what you've burned. Correct. You lost 10 pounds, but what did you burn? Well, if I lost three or four pounds of muscle or five pounds of muscle, I'm worse off than if I didn't do anything. Correct. Which is why people on these so-called yo-yo diets yeah. lose weight and regain it very efficiently and in short time and even maybe even more. I see. They get into a spiral, a vicious cycle, because they're burning muscle. Yeah, they lost weight, but they lost muscle. We never want to lose muscle. Mm-hmm. We want to develop a program a four-pillar program of diet, exercise, intermittent fasting, and supplements 
that builds muscle and burns fat mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. never does the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that, so intermittent fasting and intermittent fasting can be, you know, the ketogenic diet has that in there. Ketogenic diet is basically a low glycemic carb diet. I, from what I, I see, yeah. I've, I've never done it, but I'm, and I'm not a super advocate of it, but I think it's fine. Yeah, I, and I, I've I've read it works. It works for some people. It works for it works for some people. and some people get on, can stay on it for a little while, and then they're like, oh, I gotta get I got I gotta get some variety in my diet more or something like that. So well, plus you get this idea that you have to count calories. It's yeah. just for some people extra work. Yeah, sure. So <laughs> so, but I think for some people it's absolutely fine. But what it's doing is it is creating a low glycemic environment in the body, and we know that. Well, now what's glycemic? Well, that's just readily utilize sugar. Okay. So um, certain things, certain foods like a cookie with a lot of table sugar, a lot of sucrose in it is glycemic. Okay. Okay. A mango might be more glycemic than um, blueberries blueberries for sure. Okay. So, so in glycemic meaning we're raising, now we're raising blood sugar quickly. Correct. And now we're creating an insulin spike. All right. Okay. So what we eat affects insulin. Intermittent fasting affects insulin too. And here's how it does it. If we're eating like we used to eat, which is I'm going to eat three meals a day and a couple snacks, yeah, I'm jacking up insulin spikes all the time, every time I eat. Right. right. So now if I intermittent fast and I only eat two meals a day or one, some people do even one. I don't, but you could. Then you're raising insulin only twice a day. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be beneficial for the main reason of insulin increases mTOR in a bad way. Okay. In a way that if it's over, if you're producing too much insulin, you're okay. hyperinsulinemic. Yeah. The whole system is messed up. Um, you're producing more mTOR, and then that's you're going to store more, more fat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you eat in a smaller window of the day, it seems to even if it's the same amount of calories. As you did if you had five meals a day or four meals or three meals a day or whatever, right, right. Um, you're going to be better off for a lot of the time. So that's where intermittent fasting. Now, you don't have to do it every day. I don't do it every day. I mean, you know, as you know, I may have, I may have some oatmeal or something with some oat bran in it and, and blueberries and nuts in the morning. Correct. And then I may have a lunch and then I'm, I may go to the gym and then I'll have a protein shake after my workout. That's kind of a, that would be a non-fasting day. Okay. I don't fast every day. Mm-hmm. I don't need to. I'm already pretty lean so yeah. um, and fit. So uh, I don't worry about it. But if you are over fat, again, I like the word over fat, not overweight. Overweight. Okay. Overweight. You know, I've worked with professional bodybuilders in, years ago that were 250 pounds and then had like 3% body fat, you know. Jeez, Louise. So they're overweight. Yeah, in a yeah, way, yeah, yeah, you know, but they're you of course know. only five two. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> many just, of them are pretty yeah, small. They, actually, they, they, yeah, some of them are. They're yeah. yeah, they're not they're not always big guys. You know, huge tall guys. Some of them are. Yeah, but so so it's just you have to know what you're talking about when you talk about weight, and that's why I don't like to use the word weight loss. I like to use the word mm. fat loss. Now, how can we how can we do a crude way of determining our fat loss? Well, number one, you can look in the mirror. Okay, how do you look? Yeah. Okay. You can put a tape measure around your waist and see what your waist size is. And and so like a guy, if a guy has a waist of about 40 inches, he's obese. Correct. Okay. Yeah. It's simple. Simple. Uh, simple exercise. Doesn't matter how tall you are. 
No, the, right? no, not really. Right. No, yeah. it's just your it's just your belly. The best way to test how how fat you are, how dysfunctionally fat you are, is your your central obesity, which is a tape measure around your waist. Yeah, it's not all this bio you know bioimpedance and this and that, and, you know all the other tests that they give and, you know when they when they look at this because yeah they may indicate some things, but really the factory that's causing all this problem and all this spillover into your muscle and into your heart is your belly. I see. So we just need to concentrate on our belly. So if we're looking in the mirror and we go, wow, looks like my belly's a little smaller. Um, or if you put a tape measure around there and go, wow, my, I'm, you know, my pant size is less or something like that. Right. Now with guys, and we, you, we yeah. talked about that, guys <laughs> tend to, some guys tend to, to drop their belt down below their belly. Yeah, and then so they're, they're still like a wearing, size 29, 30. <laughs> yeah, they're still wearing the 32-inch waist uh, belt, but their their belly is size 44. Yeah. You know, so um, we have to be realistic. It's ultimately up to a person and their choice. Yeah. What do they want? Do they want to choose to be super healthy as they get older, or do they not? And and if they choose to do that, then they need to become a student. You know, they're listening to this podcast because they yeah. want to learn something. Yeah. yeah, really. And I, I I urge people to learn in as many ways as you can. Put what we're talking about in your brain and analyze it. See if it makes sense to you. And if it does, then use it. If it doesn't, don't use it. Mm. Look at something else. Yeah. But a lot of stuff out there is just hit or miss marketing stuff. Lose weight by eat this eat this food and you're going to lose ten pounds. Correct. To bad bad ten pounds again. Yes. The, the pound thing. Okay. I don't want that. Yeah. Okay. Now it doesn't mean that the meal plan is bad. I don't know, but just use your own mental computer in your brain to mm-hmm. decide if if it's going to work or not and mm-hmm. give it a shot. But mm-hmm. um, I think be a student of of knowledge, and then develop a plan, your own personal plan, yeah. that addresses. Again, I I think these four pillars are the best thing: diet, what I'm eating and drinking, how much exercise and I'm when, getting, when. yeah, when, when, and when, and then intermittent fasting is the kind of the when there, okay, okay, and then uh, and then what am I doing with exercise? What kinds of exercise am I doing? How often? How intensive am I doing it? That kind of thing. And then what kind of supplements I'm taking that maybe will assist me with that? Because there are a number of nutrients that um, you could take. And are people who, because of work situation and maybe family, they exercise in the evenings. Mm -hmm. Uh, They may get pretty active, let's say 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, they go work out. And then they come home and they go like, I got to eat something. Mm -hmm. So now they're eating and then they go to bed. What is your opinion about that? Well, I uh, the, if, if I'm doing an evening workout, um, I let's say I get to the gym about six thirty in the evening. Okay, I do my workout. I don't work out much longer than an hour. Okay, and uh, but I lift with purpose and intensity. Correct. You know, when I'm there, I don't sit around and take long rest breaks between sets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, so it's 6.30, and then, I, and then at 7.30, I, I get my stuff, my gear, I get back to my car, and I drive home. Okay. Then I have a protein shake, and that's all I eat. Okay. Okay, I put almond milk in it, I put some, I, I use whey protein, you could use other proteins. Whey is a very efficient muscle builder, though. So I use whey protein and I add an avocado and to it. And then roughly how much protein do you use? Well, I use a little bit more. 
den. Um, um, so a scoop is what, well, 17 scoop is, grams? No, a scoop is usually like between 18 and 22 grams, depending on the company and the scoop okay. and all mm-hmm. that. I'd probably do 30 grams. All I just right. take a little more. Yeah, yeah. It's just me. I haven't not played with it totally, but I just think that I, I'm okay with that. So I'll put that in the almond milk. I've learned to use a little small avocado. Okay. Add it, a uh, fresh avocado to it, to it, and because uh, it adds a creaminess. And then I put um, sometimes a part of a banana, maybe. Okay. Uh-huh. That's kind of the most I do. I'll put some creatine in it sometimes, you know, oh, wow. things like that. Yeah. And then, um, and then I'll put some, I like cocoa powder, or berries or something. You can put something, whatever you want to flavor it with. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious and it's creamy and that's, that's it though. Yeah. So it's, it's not, there's not, other than the fat from the avocado, which is actually a healthy fat. Mm-hmm. And there's some potassium in an avocado and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that's all, I'm, that's what I'm getting. Okay. For my, you know, I know that if I, yeah, if I ate a big meal or something when I got home, that would turn right to belly fat for me. Okay. Interesting. So, so it's just a timing. Now, other days, like on my days off, I would go to the gym and work out. I would have a protein shake and I would work out earlier in the day. Okay. And I would have a protein shake and then <clears throat> I would, um, I would have a, maybe make a meal at night, you know, chicken or a so if stir you, fry or if something. If you do this when you come home at night, let's say at about you're done at seven thirty, maybe you get home by seven forty five, eight o'clock, whatever. Then you make a protein shake and you drink that within let's say twenty minutes. You know, not all at once. Maybe, maybe you do. And then about roughly how many more hours are you awake before you go to bed? Because that is often the thing. If you eat close to before you go to bed, yeah, I'm still up it about. Be hard. Well, let's say I got a, you know I had my shake at like they say seven thirty, eight thirty nine. So I'm about another three or four hours. Three or four yeah, hours. Yeah, but that should be fine. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm, now, I'm now, now, if somebody else has trouble where they come home and they eat and then they go right to bed or something, then I wouldn't do that. I would eat a lunch, a big lunch. Okay. And then meet either nothing or maybe do that part of their fasting cycle. You don't have to fast and exercise on this at the same time either. I mean, you could just fast, uh, do a, do an intermittent fasting cycle, and not not exercise during that intermittent fasting cycle. I mean, okay. there's all kinds of ways to do this that um, you you have for for an individual has to look at their own scenario and their own timing and w- when they can do things, um, and then develop a plan. But you want to make it so that it doesn't turn to fat, that it only contributes to, to building muscle. So part of that is, is what do you put in the shake or what do you eat yeah. after you're done? Yeah. Is the, it, word, the shake is, a, is just an after the workout thing. I never, ta- I never go, oh, I'm going to make a shake and just have a shake. Okay. I use it as a functional thing. Okay. And I want to build muscle in recovery from my workout. So you do... Avocados, but you could maybe do flaxseed oil or fish oh, oil. I could, yeah, sure. You Great anti-inflammatories, yeah. good for the mitochondria mm-hmm. and um, or for the overall cell membrane as well. Yeah, I, I mean, say. I think fish oil and, and flax oil, flaxseed oil, because they have omega-3s in them. So yeah. omega-3s are good fat, fats for the body. They're, and they, they create resolvents and protectants that resolve inflammation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they're they're extremely better. I mean, I take fish oil too. I just don't do it in my shake, but I, yeah. I do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I found that I like the avocado in there because it makes it creamy. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's well, the banana will too. And the banana too. Yeah, yeah what yeah, the heck, yeah. you know. And it just makes it more, it's like a treat, okay? Yeah, so sure. So with me, I just get home and I make it and yeah. I'm like, I sit down in front of my computer or something and I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. You know, it's like, great. And, yeah. and after an But I only do it after I've earned it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't just, I don't, I'm just going to have a shake just to have a shake. I just, I do it as a purpose. Yeah. 
Now, Rick, I, there is so much I can talk to you about. I know there are some research studies that you brought along that you would like to highlight. Is there something in those that well, we haven't discussed at not, this point? You know, not really. We've we've talked about, you know, the, the visceral area, the belly fat. We've talked about the fact that we're By 2030, on a, that, that on a trend a for 23rd to be in real deep dew with central obesity, which is around your middle. Correct. Okay, 80% of women? My gosh, that's just crazy. I, that's a, that's, and these guys are accurate in predictions. Sure. So I trust their uh, their predictions. Um, there's another study uh, done in China on um, the fact that uh, of, of how this fat, you know, trickles out of the, the fat cells into the muscle cells and into the mitochondria and affects the mitochondria. The mitochondria are extremely important because— Tell the, us what a mitochondria are. So those are the little organelles in, in cells. Mm -hmm. There are some in fat cells. There's some in muscle cells. Okay. There's a lot in muscle cells. Okay. Okay. And this is the furnace that burns fat. Correct. Makes energy. This is where you put the this, wood in. This, this wood makes to burn. the energy currency called ATP, adenosine triphosphate. So ATP is our what we ultimately do to move. Okay. So, um, so we, you know, we want to we want to maintain healthy mitochondria. Now, when we're dysfunctional and we've got a lot of belly fat, and we're creating a lot of this um, this fat in these other ectopic areas like the heart and whatnot. We're also creating a lot of infl inflammation because a fat cell can turn into an inflammatory cell. Okay, okay. this is very interesting. Yeah, fat cell is not just always a fat cell. <clears throat> it, it, you know, we have what's called progenitor cells or baby cells that can convert into all kinds of things, and so these fat cells send out signals. You know, these overblown fat cells that are basically starving for oxygen and they're they're full are now stressed out, and they don't make fat cells anymore. They make precursor cells. A fat cell makes a precursor cell, and then a precursor cell can make another fat cell, or it can make an inflammatory cell. Uh -huh. And as we get more dysfunctional, it doesn't make fat cells anymore. It makes inflammatory cells, okay. so they jack up. So this inflammation that we think of is just in our shoulder. I have, I have some pain in my shoulder, blah, blah, blah. It's probably systemic. I see. You can address the pain in your shoulder by lowering the load throughout the whole body. And then and you do that by reducing all of this extra fat that we're carrying. You know? wow. So that's going to be a big part of it. But the mitochondria where this fat is burned becomes dysfunctional. Now, what happens then is it's like a furnace that doesn't burn very efficiently anymore. Okay. And it produces a lot of smoke, which we would call reactive oxygen or free radicals. Okay. So a lot of the free radicals and the damage in the body is through the mitochondria. It's mm. dysfunctional. Mm. There's another process called autophagy, autophagy. Or, or mitophagy. Okay. Autophagy means self-eating of the cell. Uh-huh. It's basically cleaning out the trash. It can clean out parts of a cell or it can clean out the whole cell. Mm. And you want the body to do that, to take a, clean out the, 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 to take away the bad cells mm -hmm. because cells get dysfunctional. It's kind of like our garage. Our garage builds up and blah, 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 and we got to <laughs> yeah. take out the trash, okay? Yeah. Eventually, we got to get it out of there. Yeah. So it's the same with the cell. Well, if a cell has all these mitochondria and all of a sudden um, there's a lot of inflammation and a lot of just... Uh, lack of flow. I use the word flow a lot. 
there's flow and there's stagnation. And okay. I say, look, when we're young, we're free-flowing rivers. And when we're old, we're stagnant ponds. Mm-hmm. We're just mm-hmm. stagnant. Mm-hmm. We have to reduce the stagnation. Mm-hmm. And this, a lot of the stagnation is, is through poor mitochondrial activity. Okay. So all, all the exercise is going to help increase mitochondrial activity and on and on and on. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I want to hear what you have to say about it. I want to go back mm-hmm. just one second to the mitochondria. Mm-hmm. We have about 70 trillion cells to make up our body. It doesn't mean we have about 70 trillion mitochondria. My understanding is that some organs, for example, have many mitochondria, like the heart and the liver. They yeah. may have up to 2,000 mitochondria. Is that about right? I yeah, mean, sure. What? I mean, I mean, cells that are more working cells. Like so I mom, just want to let listeners well, know well, that mitochondria are not just one cell, one oh, mitochondria. No. There's all kinds of them in cells. Okay. okay. So in a, in a white fat cell, like one that's a storage fat cell, there's sure. very little because they're not needed. Okay, interesting, okay. yeah. But um, in a brown fat, brown cell, fat cell, there's yeah. gobs of them. Yeah. In muscle, there's a lot. In the heart, of course, there's a lot because it has muscle. to supply energy to beat the heart all the yeah. time. You know, yeah. If it doesn't yeah. have enough, then you have low heart yeah. function. Kidneys, same thing. So um, mitochondria are essential. Um, and mitochondria only come from our mothers. Oh. They're not from the father. They're passed on ge- genetically through our moms. Look at that. So for whatever reason. And uh, so... Now, now that we have this mitochondria in our cells, we want to keep them healthy. Mm. But when they're dysfunctional, we want to get rid of them too. So yeah. that's what. Now, how do you do auto, how how is autophagy or my in, when you're getting rid of mitochondria? In other words, we've got a mitochondria. Let's say that's spewing out a lot of junk. It's yeah. a lot of free radicals. It's not healthy anymore, but mm. it's it's producing all this stuff. We want to stop it. We want to get rid of it. So the body basically sends other proteins into that area where that mitochondria is and basically liquefies it and eats it oh, wow. and, and recycles it. Ah. It's still in the cell. It's just being recycled. And that's very important. But what happens as we age is that mitophagy and, and that autophagy decreases a big part because of what we're not doing okay. that we, we need to, we're not fast. Fasting will increase uh, its eating too okay, because it creates the a need for more energy. Basically, yeah. the body says, oh, you know, Jacobus isn't feeding me anything right now. Mm. I, I need to get some energy. And it goes yeah. to the mitochondria and goes, do you think you can make some more energy? Yeah, I think I can burn some fat. And, <laughs> and the, the cell goes, yeah, I think I can get rid of this lousy mitochondria. And it start, so it starts to clean itself up. So clean out the garage. Yeah, clean out right. the garage. So that's what we want to do. So we want to we want to increase the number of mitochondria. Like in the white fat cells, we want to make them beige fat cells so that we can burn more fat. Mm-hmm. But we also want to increase the the uh, mitochondria in our heart, in our kidneys, in our in, a, in our especially in our muscle, right. so that we can burn more fat too. And that is what you would call the flow. That's flow. That's flow, and that happens yeah. a lot when we're young because the body yeah. is growing and moving and changing. Mm-hmm. And but as we get older, it's much more a stagnant pond. Yeah. Now we're now we're just an e, I call it an ooey gooey sticky mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're just we're just we just and we see it too. You yeah. know, when we look at older people, sometimes when they're walking and yeah. they're having trouble walking. Now some of that's neurological, and we didn't get into neuro the neurological things, but there's. There's neuromuscular things that we can do through these four pillars too, that we can increase our nervous system. That, another reason why we lose muscle is because we're, the, the nervous system, which communicates with the muscle fiber, mm-hmm. the nerve fiber can, makes the muscle fiber work, makes it contract, okay? You bet. So um, we, wanna, we wanna baby our nervous system too. We wanna make it healthy as well. It's not just in our brain, in other words. Sure. The nervous system it's is all, all over, over the body. All over the body. Right. 
Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's makes total sense. And I think also that even though we see ads that say sixty is the new forty or seventy is the new fifty, there are still a lot of people who feel feel, which means, in my opinion, attitude that they're getting old. Yeah. They they blame things they cannot do anymore on getting old. So part of it is we're going to have to change the way we think about ourselves. Yeah. And the way we think about our position in the world. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, one of the things I think that I, I'm a big proponent of why these four pillars of, of, of looking at all these and developing your own plan is to create, you create the environment for your future and being able to do things that you want to do that you don't want to, you know, like if you like, let's say you like to hike. Okay, you want to continue hiking. You like to hunt. Yeah. You, like to, you want to flop, fish. Yeah. You want to play with your grandkids, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. You want to be able to do it with good energy. Correct. And that's that's the most important thing. And that's where you need the muscle. And you need to reduce the inflammatory load and the dysfunctional fats mm-hmm. and stuff like that in the body. Mm. Let's go back to diet for a moment. The idea of sugars, carbohydrates convert into sugars that happens in the digestive tract. I have my own concept about it this, as far as digestion is concerned. And I often talk to people about this and I can explain that a little bit to you how I say it and you can tell me how you feel about that. But sugars are the result of either, well, you can take a straight sugar, something as a complete sugar sweetener, so to say, like a turbinado or a glucose, sucrose, honey, maple syrup, agave, uh, we have monk's fruit right now, xylitol. These are all simple sugars. At the same time, there are people who say, well, I don't sweeten anything. I do everything plain and simple. But then you have to look also at the intake of carbohydrates, the grains, beans, vegetables, fruits, cookies, dough, pastas, whatever it we use on a regular diet. And I think there is quite a bit of confusion for people when they think they have a healthy meal, but they may actually not have a healthy meal. Now, one of the things that I have often brought up to listeners or people in general is the fact that digestion is often messed up. And when we eat, it is important that we actually digest the food that we put in the mouth. And the whole opening from the mouth all the way down the esophagus, the stomach, the duodenum, small intestine, colon, anus, is officially, I was told by a doctor, outside the body. So there is no blood anywhere. Once it enters your bloodstream, it enters your body. Very interesting. I thought Mm. they said when you bleed in your stomach, you better see a physician. If you bleed in your rectum or bleed in your intestines, better see a physician. So it started to make sense to me that this whole digestive tract has a specific function. And it really is the breakdown of the food that we put in the mouth. And what I explain to people is, if you do not eat the right foods, or foods that are spoiled, or you don't digest it correctly, your system is going to react to you in the way of throwing up, or diarrhea, or constipation, or gas, bloating. You could have 
diverticulitis. You could develop diverticulitis or diverticulosis. You could have uh, Crohn's colitis. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So the main thing I tell people is that when you start having issues at the bottom part of your digestive tract, your intestines, and you think you, you should come and get some probiotics, for example, because those are all the good bacteria for your intestines. Have you looked at the upper part of your digestive tract? And I mean specifically the stomach. And the purpose of the stomach is to liquefy food. We often talk about stomach acid. I hope you don't mind if I'm if I'm leading a no, little no, bit in this. No, no, it's important. Yeah, it is yeah. important because we can talk about diet, but this is often an issue. So it is important that we chew our food. So it mixes with saliva and is broken down into smaller particles. And then we swallow it and it goes down to your esophagus and it comes now in the stomach. And in the stomach, we have a valve at the top, which is kind of a valve at the bottom of the esophagus that opens up, a flap that opens up and the food goes in the stomach. And then there is, an, there is a valve opening the pyloric sphincter that is at the bottom of the stomach where it moves into the next section, which is called duodenum. The stomach is very special because it really is a bag. And in the bag is acid, stomach acid. Mm -hmm. And the acid, the purpose of the acid is to liquefy the food. And I, I often like to make the, the, the analogy of a uh, good old mafia movie where you see those barrels of acid yeah. Where, yeah. where they throw the body parts in once they kill them to get rid of the evidence, right? right? Yeah. It dissolves it. And so the purpose of stomach acid is literally dissolve the chunks that we've been chewing on and that have now swallowed, do swallow into the stomach and that need to be liquefied so that as they leave the stomach and move into the rest of the, the upper part, they say the duodenum is the upper part of the small intestine. I tend to disagree. I think it's its own little section, organ, whatever you want to call it. But so the stomach needs about 45 minutes to an hour to liquefy the morsels that we have eaten. Now it moves into the duodenum. And the duodenum has enzymes coming in from the pancreas. And you were talking about earlier about insulin, but there are three oh, enzymes right. that come in from the pancreas that enter the duodenum. One is to convert proteins, one is to convert fats, and one is to convert carbohydrates. And let me explain that. So the proteins are liquefied now in the stomach. So what comes out of the stomach is, is soup. And that protein, the liquid proteins are now converted by an enzyme protease from the uh, pancreas into single amino acids. So when you talk about amino acids, this is an important part where we say, okay, so how do we get amino acids out of proteins? Well, it happens in the digestive tract. Then the second one is another enzyme that converts carbohydrates into simple sugars. And I'm looking at sucrose and lactose and ribose, mannose, some other single sugars. And then, because those will be able to get absorbed by the cells. And then we have another enzyme called lipase, which with the help of bile, because that's another thing that comes in, the bile is coming out of the gallbladder and the liver, and it goes into the duodenum as well. Through this process and helps in the breakdown of fats, into the single parts of omega-3 and omega-6, such as EPA, mm -hmm. DLP, D DHA, GLA, abbreviation of more important parts. Mm -hmm. 
Once that process happens, which I think takes another half hour or so, the duodenum is about 11 inches, and there's a lot of stuff happening. Then it moves into the jejunum, which is the upper part of the small intestine. And the jejunum, now we enter a, a section that is primarily inundated with bacteria. So we've had enzymes in the mouth, we've had acid and enzymes in the stomach, we have had enzymes in the duodenum and bile from the mm -hmm, gallbladder. Mm -hmm. Now it enters a area where the food is really going to get absorbed, and that happens with the bacteria, the microbacteria. And as I mentioned earlier, we have about 70 plus trillion cells in our body. There are more bacteria mm -hmm. in one pound in the small intestines. We have about two to four pounds of bacteria. There is more bacteria in one pound than we have cells in the body. So the bacteria are very small. And so the wall of the small intestine is has very microscopic holes. And the idea is that these micronutrients now are being pulled with the bacteria into the bloodstream that that runs between the intestines and the liver. So now it's transported to the liver. The liver then does a little hocus-pocus with it and then sends it back in the bloodstream that runs to the heart and then it goes to the cells. And then there is a reverse process where it comes out this way. So my issue why I bring this up, Rick, is that I highly recommend when people have digestive issues, because many of them do, they, they have gas, bloating, GERD, acid reflux, heartburn, hiatal hernia. They, they just have digestive problems, not just after they eat, but also a couple hours later when they notice that they feel bloated in the belly. Uh, and the belly, in this case, I talk about the intestinal area, or that they have gas, or that they have uh, constipation, diarrhea the next day, and they just wonder what happened. I thought I ate healthy, and my 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 point here is that it is important to let the stomach do what it is supposed to do, which is liquefying the food, and that often doesn't happen. So, when we when you look at pH levels. And you know all this. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I still think for the sake of the podcast to explain it to most people. The, the, the pH balance is somewhere between 7.1 and 7.4. When we get ready to eat, the acid in the stomach somehow knows we're going to eat and it, it drops down to a very acidic level. So anything below 7.1 is acid. And anything above 7.4 mm -hmm. is alkaline or base. I don't even know what yeah. people, they, one or the other, right? They use that, that terminology. If we look at this, right before we eat, the stomach gets down to a pH of about, about 1.5 to 2.0. That is necessary to get there. It's like battery acid. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that is necessary because once the food is leaving the mouth and goes down the esophagus into the stomach, it's not at that level. It's more an alkaline substance. So when it mixes with the acid, it actually dilutes that acid into a pH of about 5. Mm. And we usually liquefy food at 5, liquefy it, so that further down, that liquid can be broken down. If we drink before we eat, mm -hmm. or we drink while we eat, or we drink after we're done eating, 
we are messing with this acidity and therefore with the breakdown of the morsels that we've been chewing on into a liquid soup. We need to create a soup in order to have better breakdown and therefore better absorption, Mm -hmm. right? So I tell people, try, if you are dealing with acid reflux, GERD, high hedelhunia, heartburn, gas, bloating, if you're dealing with that after you eat or later on, a couple hours later, more in the intestines, the first thing you should do is don't drink liquids 45 minutes before you eat because that's the time the stomach acid needs to to get ready, to go to a pH of about 1.5, 2.0. Once the food you swallow goes down in the stomach, it dilutes that acid into a pH 5. But if you drink a glass of water before you eat, you're already diluting that acid. Mm-hmm. And so now the acid is already a 5 or a 6. Especially, you know, well, if you drink, it depends how much you drink. Yeah. And then... Now the food comes in and that takes the pH of five or six and turns it into a seven or a seven and a half, which is neutral or beyond, and we cannot liquefy the food. So now this food, after about 45 minutes, the stomach acid is trying to do what it can. It goes now into the duodenum and the enzymes start try to go to work, but they go like, where's the soup? We got a bunch of chunks that mm-hmm. were never liquefied. Right. We cannot convert chunks into micronutrients. And because of gravity, these chunks go now into the small intestine, into the jejunum, and eventually into the colon, the ileum colon, colon, and they cause roughage that is very difficult to process, and we lose absorption. So if you cannot break it into micronutrients, it's almost impossible for the intestinal bacteria to pull it through the intestinal wall into the bloodstream so you can get the nutrients. And therefore, we start having issues of malnutrition, Mm -hmm. which I wonder if you have done research on that, if that causes a reaction in the cells of the body to uh, how do we get energy now? So how how get the mitochondria? How do we get the mitochondria to do what they're supposed to do? But so I tell people, don't drink forty five minutes before you eat. Don't drink while you eat because the stomach acid is being diluted by the food. So don't mess with that. And then when you're done eating, let the acid do what it's supposed to do. So again, don't drink anything for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you you have 45 before, 45 after. You got a half hour of eating. You have roughly a two-hour window where you shouldn't drink. Exception, if you really feel that you're going to be choking on something, then yeah. have a glass of water sitting there, six, seven ounces maximum, and take a sip if you need it, but don't drink the whole glass. Take a sip. Some people enjoy a glass of wine for dinner or they may have a cocktail. And I say, listen, those are usually drinks that are probably not more than a few ounces, six, seven ounces anyway. So you could do that if you like it that way. But don't, you you look at people going to a restaurant, the first thing that you get is a glass of water. Right. Then they're looking at the menu and uh, the waiter or waitress comes by and says, how about anything to drink? Okay, bring me a beer. How big a beer? Well, bring yeah, right. bring, bring yeah. the gallon, right? Mm-hmm. So 
they get beer or they get lemonade or whatever they get, and some of them will have a cocktail. But the ones that drink beer, by the time the appetizer comes, if that's what they ordered, they already finished the beer. And now they get another beer. And you notice that most people walk out of that restaurants almost unbuckling their pants because mm. it's it's just they're just uncomfortable. And so and a lot of people tell me, Rick, that they always drink while they eat because they thought well, that's what the doctor said, drink while you eat. And I said, but let's say you do three meals a day. Yeah. Three meals times two hours that you don't drink liquids is six hours. Let's say you sleep eight hours. Not everybody sleeps eight hours, but at a six plus eight is 14. There is 10 hours left while you're awake where you can drink whatever you need to drink. And it will not affect the digestion. I personally think that one of the reasons why there are not enough nutrients going to the cells in the body is because of a digestive problem that we create ourselves. What do you think of that? I think that sounds... It makes sense. Uh, and the next question is, well, okay, if it's not does, not getting the nutrients in there, then how does it affect the gut-brain axis Good to, point. to, to um, stimulate more overeating or whatever too, you know? Because yeah. um, you've yes, got ghrelin, you've, right. got, you've got le- leptin, you've got ghrelin. And uh, in, in, so how, uh, that, I don't know the answer. No, but, but it is but an interesting, interesting question, and yeah. it's very important. I do know that when I do research, I, 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 I haven't delved into it enough yet, but it's on my bucket list to look at the gut-brain axis more. Mm. And uh, so I think that, you know, the question is, well, how does it, how does it make the, the gas and the, 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 the upset? Is that it's, it's not digested as much? Is it, are there other bacteria making Something's making the gas, it's, is that what makes the gas? Is that I think the chunks that are just. But what uh, makes gas is it is because bacteria make fatty acids and there's yeast. There's also yeast. And stuff, yeah, and yeast in the and, intestines. Yeah, so right? maybe maybe we have an yeast overgrowth or something. At yeah, that and point. that can happen because when maybe take the bacteria maybe the bacteria um, healthy bacteria load is not healthy enough to where it can balance the yeast overgrowth. I don't know. I do know that quite a few people say, oh, well, I know what you're saying, Jacobus. I have too much acid because I'm on a proton pump inhibitors, mm-hmm. inhibitors mm-hmm. such as Tums and, and mm-hmm. uh, oh. uh, Prilosec yeah, and Prilosec and all that's... those. And I tell people, listen, when you're younger, and these are people, again, in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, who have these problems. And I look at them and I say, do you think that you eat the same amount today? as what you ate when you were 20 years old. And they say, well, absolutely not. I eat much smaller. I said, I know that. So your taste buds have changed. And when you were younger, you were given food by your parents and you would eat it. Now, when you have a choice, there are certain things that you say, no, nah, I'm not going to eat yet. Or, oh, I really like that food. And you, you become more like a connoisseur mm-hmm. of what you like. Mm-hmm. And I said, so in a way, if you were managing your stomach, let's say you were you had a manager and you had a bunch of workers that are your acid and your enzymes, if there is no food coming down the pipe, there is no work to be done. Mm-hmm. There comes a point when you say, I got way too many workers, I got to let them go. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get rid of the enzymes. So as we get older, we actually have less stomach 
acid stomach enzymes than we do when we were younger. Mm -hmm. So the majority of people who deal with acid reflux, GERD, high hiatal hernia, heartburn, gas, and bloating after they eat is because they don't have enough acid Mm -hmm. and they have diluted the acid on top of that. So the flap at Mm. the bottom of the esophagus kind of stays open. Mm -hmm. And it says, the stomach goes, hey, brain, I need more acid to break this down. Mm. So one way to do this is not drinking. I have talked to so many people over the years, Rick, where I literally say, stop the drinking while you eat, before you eat and after you eat. Give that roughly two hours. If you need it, just take a sip here and there, and that's it. Mm. Only if needed. And then watch what happens. Because if we can liquefy the food better, the acid reflux, the flap will actually close. Mm -hmm. And so now you don't have that heartburn acid reflux going up the pipe. And now you're going to have better breakdown of the food and you'll notice that your bowels are better. You won't have the diarrhea and constipation anymore. But this this whole pipe from from the front of the mouth all the way to the anus is actually... Outside, the, outside body. the body. It's a fascinating it's its concept. Sy- it's its own it's system. Its own system. Yeah. And I look at it as part of the immune system. It's almost, it lets us know with its reactions mm-hmm. that this food, whatever we ate or drank, is not going anywhere. This is not going to be healthy for yourselves. Mm-hmm. So we're going to create havoc to get your attention that you have to change something. And we're going to get rid of it out of the body. It will not go into the bloodstream, it will not go to the cells because it could cause a lot more damage. That's kind of how I imagine it. It's an interesting thought. The other question is though, because if nothing, nothing's getting into the bloodstream, if it's not getting into the bloodstream and it's not getting into the cells and yet we're still over fat, we're still getting energy from somewhere. So I guess the question is maybe we're, we're eating more to make up for malabsorption. Now, I've, I, I don't know. I've, I talk uh, uh, quite a few times to people about the desire for most of us to eat carbohydrate-rich foods. It could be a sandwich. They go to Subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They buy a sandwich with something on it. They go eat pastas. They have, uh, they have a cookie. They have a piece of cake, a donut, uh, you know, things that are the so-called quick carbohydrates Mm -hmm. that give you energy. And I notice that what is satisfied first is the brain. Mm-hmm. And th- because as soon as it hits the saliva glands, it goes right through the into the bloodstream to the brain. And within 10, 20 seconds, we feel like, whoa, this is really good. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we are nourishing the actual body from the neck down. Right. The neck down, that's where the organs are, the glands, the muscles, all that stuff, that needs to be nourished as well. So there are many people who are feel satisfied in the brain that they have enough to eat, but they are depleting their body. And and you know how it is when, let's say you're in a desert and there is not much to drink or not much to eat, there's nothing to drink, really. Yeah, yeah. And you you still have so many miles to go. It's almost that mentally you tell yourself, I just have to ration myself. I have to ration my exercise. I have to ration my output. I have to, because I don't have the input. And we go into some kind of a, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it by the way, survival mode, but I do believe we're going into a mode that where we go on half energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that with what we eat, if we eat carbohydrates, 
the cells can only co connect with can only absorb so many sugars because in the mito in the duodenum these carbohydrates that ever we swallow we could we swallow it right mm -hmm. it still is being processed into a some type of a sugar and that sugar goes in the bloodstream but because we're eating more carbohydrates than fats or proteins these carbohydrates now go into the bloodstream they go to the cells there is the insulin need to get it into the cells and that is why i think over time we we built more fat mm -hmm. and so when you look at the plate of food that people ate, if you put everything they eat and drink on a daily basis from the moment they wake up till they go to bed, I think that the majority of people have a much higher percentage on the plate of food that is carbohydrates than that they have proteins and fats. Uh -huh. And yeah. that's why I think we built the fat. Yeah, that's Well, I would agree. I think that makes sense. You know, and, it, and the whole thing just becomes that back to that stagnation thing. Which Absolutely. Is, the, 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 everything is just not moving efficient. It's efficiency. Yeah. We're not efficient at building what we want to build, mm. which are functionally, functional cells with low inflammatory, you know, in, we use, we, we get infl inflammatory cytokines when we need them to fight something, Correct. but not just because we're overstuffed or right. the flow is bad because there, there is an acronym called PAMP, which is a pathogen pathway to increase inflammatory proteins, inflama yeah. inflammation in the body. Yeah. And then there's another one called a DAMP, which is a damage. It's a, literally we're making it ourselves. I see. We're creating a damage signal. Oh my gosh, we're not normal. We need... We need infl inflammatory proteins to deal with this, mm -hmm. and that's where the inflammatory load mm -hmm. uh, increases. You know, and, and over the last you know couple of years, with all the people with the viruses and stuff like that too, is um, you know people that are more are more m the most compromised are people that have no flow. They, I see. They, you know, Interesting. They're, yeah, the older generation. They're, they're they're stagnant. They're already have an inflammatory load. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, you create this cytokine storm uh -huh. from a virus. And it makes it exacerbates the whole thing, and then they are critical. Yeah, you know, so or yeah. more or worse. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of new science on that too, of looking at viruses and and the fact that our our, our built lifestyle now is, has taken away a lot of the functional stress that kind of makes us flow. Yeah, you know, increases flow. Yeah. Well, that is maybe the positive thing that comes out of this whole COVID uh, pandemic is that you're going to have more scientists looking at viruses and the effects that they really have on our body. Because let's face it, the, the way that the media has portrayed it, not just the media, but also many of the doctors, Dr. Fauci and others, that there is this one virus floating around mm -hmm. that is trying to kill us yeah. and we got to protect ourselves against it but not realizing that we have billions of viruses already in our body, yeah. if not more, right, Rick? Right. I mean, I, I don't think that life can exist without viruses. No, they're all they're everywhere, but it's just how we adapt to them. Correct. You know, and then you get something new, the body's not used to it, and it has no defense mechanism. Yeah. It's already compromised, mm -hmm. you know, its flow is terrible. So I think that's another reason why to, you have to create a healthy lifestyle of muscle strength and and bone strength and lose this toxic fat 
And Which so is, one way to do this is make sure your digestion is absolutely, working. Absolutely, yeah. It's part, of, it's part of the whole part process. Part of that whole thing. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. So I feel that uh, with your, your concept, with the what, what number one, what do we put in the mouth? Number two, how do we play with that? How, how does the digestive system work with that? Then how much we absorb. And uh, then with exercises and what you say, the intermittent fasting to kind of trick the body a little bit, right? That's what we're doing. We're, we're creating a functional. We're, we're creating a functional stress. Another another type of exercise is a functional stress. You bet. Intermittent fasting is a functional stress. Yeah. Functional meaning it's beneficial. It's a, it's in a zone. Okay, we're not fasting for a week or something. You know, we're fasting for a window. For mm-hmm. some people, it might be a number of hours, and some people maybe a day. I don't know. You know, every day it's different. Yeah, what somebody can handle and and with their lifestyle and everything. Um, but we're cre- creating these little functional stresses that basically snap our body out of stagnation, you know, that, that get us going again, clean out the cell, clean out the cells, get mm-hmm. the mitochondria healthy, mm-hmm. less free radicals, reactive oxygen, yeah, yeah. less inflammatory load, mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's, and as we age, we have to do more. We have to know more, and we have to do more. Mm-hmm. We have to be at. We have to act. So if we, that's why I, you know, the people listening to the podcast, they're they're hearing all this stuff, and they've, we've thrown a lot of stuff at people. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot. But to to take a pause and back off, there'll be more more information. I'm going to write a book, and you're going to yeah, have yeah. podcasts, you bet, and stuff like that, and just continue to be a, a sponge for knowledge and new wisdom, new new science, uh-huh. and then then take that and weigh it. Is it does it is it for me? Is does it make sense? Yeah. And then develop a plan. You have to have a plan. You have to have a system. Your plan. Part of your plan is okay. I'm not going to drink water, water 45 minutes before or during or 45, 45 minutes, minutes after. after. There's part of a plan. You bet. I'm going to stick to it for a while and give it a shot. Yeah. You know. And then um, I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do these exercises. If I'm really over fat, um, I would say you just just do some do some aerobic kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, get, get things moving. Every mm-hmm. now and then, pick up the pace a little bit, mm-hmm. drop it down, pick mm-hmm. up the pace, drop it down, do a little resistance exercise, don't overdo it. I do, for my exercise, my resistance work, which is mostly with weights or with machines that have resistance. Correct. Um, you can do them with um, bands. Ba- bands as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. or body weight or whatever it is. I do high reps. So I... I you go lighter weight, but high reps. Light, lightweight. I start with 30 repetitions, what I can do for 30 to 35 repetitions. Okay. And then I feel it like, okay, that's, that's, that's enough. And then I go to 20 to 25, 25 repetitions. And then mm-hmm. I go down to 20 and then maybe to 15 or 12. I never go lower than, usually lower than that. Oh. Very rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I see people in the gym that come in and it's, um, you know, guys especially are, you know, want to be macho. They want to be 30, 20 again. You know, they want to mm-hmm. grab a dumbbell that's a 35-pound dumbbell or something. I start with a 15-pound or a 17-pound dumbbell. Yeah. And I've built up to that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I start with a 15, go to a 17 and a half. I go to then do a 20 and then to a 22-pound dumbbell for my, my bicep curls, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that does a couple things. One is it gives the more muscle contractions, more okay. volume. Right. Um, and it's also safer for the body. I, you know, when we get older, I think it's safer. I'm mm-hmm. not doing, mm-hmm. as a competitive athlete in college, I did 500-pound squats for reps. Yeah. Okay, you know, <laughs> wow. I don't do, I don't even do squats anymore. Yeah. I do some leg press, yeah. presses and I, and I do that 30, 20, 25, 20, 
15, 12. Those, wow. I do four sets per wow. exercise. Okay. And, okay. and, and, it, and you don't, you don't, you just don't get hurt, you know, mm. you know, now mm. if somebody has a, has an issue they have to work around and well, they just have to use their creativity to work around it, their shoulder, their knees. Well, my knees hurt. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there's in our gym, there's a exercise machine. That's just arms. You know, people use that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the heck? Just get something yeah. moving. The bigger muscles are your legs, so you really want to work your legs because you get a big bang for the buck for Yeah, they can legs. handle more. Yeah, they they're the bigger weight. muscle. They can handle a lot. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, just just whatever it is, just, just develop your own plan. And then you have to work the plan. Mm-hmm. And this is all easy stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not complicated. Don't make it overly complicated. Make it easy. Make it simple. And something you can do. Uh-huh. And then does that mean you can sit back and just, okay, now I've developed my plan and I can not do anything? No. I, now I've, you have to do, you have to work. There's, there's effort involved. Yeah. But the effort is going to be paid off I was just tenfold say, yeah, absolutely. In, in a, a much better health. Being able, when you're 80, to do whatever you, you want to go on a hike, you go on a hike or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, you go hunting, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. So, but we're, we're, we're not engineering our system to be efficient. We're stagnant, and we're not engineering it to be efficient in our in our old age like we want to. Yeah, and I, you know, so I, good point. And one thing that I wanted to say <laughs> about this diet thing, the digestion. I often hear people say, "Yeah, but I have to take my pills with a meal. I have to take my supplements with a meal." And I tell them, "Listen, while your stomach is doing its work, don't disturb it." Mm-hmm. Just wait. If if it is a specific enzyme you want to take to help the digestive process, you do that right when you start eating. Yeah, and you do it with this, just a sip, a yeah, sip of water, a sip. Uh-huh. sip of wine, or sip of coffee, whatever. You do you do it that way. Um, the other supplements, you can easily wait forty five minutes to an hour. By that time, the stomach is done with liquefying. Mm-hmm. The valve to the duodenum opens up. That soup is moving in. If at that point you drink your your cups, your 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 pills, you take your pills with a glass of water, or half a glass of water, whatever, it will just go straight down yeah. the esophagus, in and out of the stomach, into the duodenum, and it will get absorbed. Yeah. So there is no need to drink a glass of water with your supplements while you're eating food. Don't make it so complicated. You can take some of them 45 minutes before you eat, or you wait an hour after you're done eating and start taking your pills. Yeah, and, and, and this is part of your plan, Yeah, you know? And then once you work your plan and you start seeing some movement, some benefit, then then you do more and you, you can add more intensity to your workouts if mm-hmm. you want. But you're seeing positive results and you're becoming consistent with your plan. Mm-hmm. You know, every, every now and then you'll fall off the wagon a little bit at the beginning of something. But, yeah. but if you've got it, you know, written out a little bit and... Uh, measuring your portions differently or whatever or in your timing of things and when you take your drink your water and you take your pills i think you then your plan is starting to work for you in a positive way mm. we talked a little bit about dietary supplements you make that as part of the four pillars i know you have developed phenomenal products uh, very clean for athletes in the past the products you're working on right now rick are can you give us a hint of some of the things they're supposed to do? Yeah, there, there's two main ones that I'm focused on yeah. building right now. 
uh, to support the other three pillars. Okay. Again, they support. It's supplements support things. They're not a. That's why I don't want people to think they can just take a pill and then all magic is going to no. happen. It that's what I call that supplements. They yeah, supplement your diet yeah, and lifestyle. Absolutely. So um, the the two main ones. One is for a, a booster to build help build more muscle okay. in recovery. And there's some new technologies there, um, but that's to be taken with like a protein powder. Okay. You know, because protein is. You need the amino acids that are in protein to build muscle, mm-hmm. so that you have to get protein. So does it will it come in a pill or a liquid? Uh, that was going to be or? probably a powder, a oh, bo- okay. booster. You'll add it. You Excellent. can add it. You yeah, can add, nice. it, add it to another thing. And then the second one is a is a uh, I'm looking at as a capsule uh, that's more during the fasting cycle. Again, as a fat burning kind of a help with the fat. So burning. when you say fasting, what is the minimum amount of hours you talk about? Um, is it ten hours? Is it You know, well, let's that? see. I went. Let's say. Let's just say I had a meal, and then I at night. I'm just gonna let's kind of walk through it. So you have a meal at night. I mean, a full meal, not not my sure. just liquid protein powder meal. And then I had another three hours. Then I had eight hours. That's twelve hours already. Yeah. And when I woke up, it's twelve hours. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I'm gonna fast more longer yet. Than You're gonna that. do your exercises. Twelve. 12 well, twelve. Then the next morning, I get up. I may go to the gym. I might a day off. I would go to the gym at let's say eleven, ten or eleven. Let's say eleven. Uh-huh. Still haven't eaten. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get up at let's say seven o'clock or something, and then have some water or whatever you have. Yeah. So we were juice. talking another four hours. So it's a bunch okay. of hours there. But it's a big window. Yeah. I think there's any magic to what timing is. You know, it's a, but just eating a smaller window, and then that fasting, fat burning workout, um, and then afterwards I would. Get my car, drive home, and I would maybe maybe a wise thing probably would be to wait a little bit to get mm-hmm. milk it a little bit more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then get my protein shake in or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would generally do. So roughly sixteen hours, yeah, sixteen hours, hour, probably sixteen hour window. That's a fat burning cycle window. It doesn't have to be that every. You don't have to do that every day. You know? Yeah. Everybody's different. It depends on how much totally, and depends on how much fat you want to lose and yeah. how fast you want to lose it and all of that. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot to lose. But at well, one we're talking time, about, we're, at we're one talking time I, about listenership well, here. One time I did, and there's pictures of me with a belly, and I weighed 220, and then I got down to 195. Okay. Within a few months. Yeah. You're just knowing what to do, mm-hmm. you know, and experimenting with it. Now now I've um, started to work my legs more, and I've added muscle on my legs. Yeah. I know it's muscle because I can feel it. You can and feel I, it, And yeah. I can lift it. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. my lifting has gone up. Mm-hmm. So my weight has gone back up to like two from like 195 to day 205 to, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe 205. But it's like, like you say, are we losing fat? Are we losing muscle? But you can tell yeah. by how strong you are, what you look like, what your waist is. Are, are, do you have to buy new pants, bigger pants now yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the no-no. That's the, <laughs> that shouldn't happen. And so um, hopefully you can, you can start to make course corrections and then and then develop dietary habits. Now, the other thing to mention too is that people that are, are have couple are couples, There's a dynamic with couples that uh-huh. I see that um, from experience working with couples. There, there's sometimes a comfort zone because couples, like married couples, men and women, sure, or women and women, or men and men, or whatever. But um, they they get sometimes they get comfortable, and then they start putting on weight, fat weight. Yeah. So you see that a lot today, and yeah. younger and younger people. I see it in I see it in younger people now. Um, sometimes you see that in family, young families. I get it. I was heavier when I had my young kids. Mm-hmm. They're married. They're 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 often doing their own thing now. But yeah. um, 
But when you're when you're in a in a family thing, then you you want to take care of yourself then too, mm-hmm. because it's it's easier uh, it's easier to stay healthy uh, if you're already doing it. You know, I mean, it's, you know, yeah, sure. If if you're make uh, it part of your daily yeah, routine. Yeah, if you're if all of a sudden you're 30, 40 pounds over fat, mm-hmm. and you're thirty years old, or twenty five or thirty or whatever, and you're just and you've got little kids. Yeah, you should start working on it now. Yeah, yeah. Rather than wait, and and because you may not have a chance to wait. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it could be it's very toxic and it's rough on your heart and your kidneys and everything else. So. Mm. Um, but I, but couples, the couple dynamic is that you both have to be on the page to support each other. Correct. Okay. Because a lot of times the, the over fatness follows both mm-hmm. of the couple, both, mm-hmm. both, uh, man and woman, for instance. So if you want to get healthy, it's good to keep the family healthy all around and mm-hmm. you both get into some programs or yeah. something or both join a gym or work out together or whatever. I agree. And what I really feel as far as the topic of the show was building muscle and bones mm-hmm. and losing fat is, especially as we get older, I really feel that what we're trying to discuss here is not just, it, it's, we're not blowing smoke. It is just, literally, you gave the statistics by mm-hmm. 2030, this is an ongoing problem. I, I have told people as they get older and they're overweight I said, God forbid, if you fall down and you can't get up, who's going to lift you up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who will be there to lift you up? Right. If you're over <clears throat> 240 pounds, go to a gym and lift a 100-pound weight and let me know how that goes. Mm-hmm. And now you have somebody who's twice that much Yeah. and it is just dead weight. You can't lift There's it. no shape no, to you it. Have, you can't... You, 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 you that, have to call and have somebody else lift that. And so I said that as partly you are responsible for your other members and your family or your spouse to to get into a shape, work on balance. This is another thing that's oh, yeah. important for exercise. Mm-hmm. You learn how to call, hold your balance. As you get older, you simply need to cross your T's and dot your I's when you go outside in the snow and ice. Yeah. That you got the right gear mm-hmm. and that you don't do anything stupid. Yeah. And there are things that we need to think about as we get older. It is a wonderful time. And at the same time, we just know that things are not working the way when we were younger. They're not working the same way. So your concept of what can you do about your diet do some exercises, develop muscles, work on your balance, help the mitochondria to be active, to absorb the nutrients it needs, but to expel what it doesn't need. And then you look into some intermittent fasting to create this stress that you're talking about, a good stress, Mm -hmm. positive stress. And then you can use supplements on top of that to supplement your diet and lifestyle. I think it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And I really hope that our listeners take it to heart and that they say, what can I do to work on this? And there is a lot of information available. I I do know that you have opened yourself to to get reactions from people. You're working on your website, uh, but you do have an email 
that yep. people can contact you and say, hey, I heard what you said. What is my next step? What can I do? How can we get in touch with each other? What is your What is your email? So it's uh, Rick, R-I-C-K, F as in Frank, Bruner, B-R-U-N-N-E-R, Rick F. Bruner at yahoo.com. Great. That's yeah. good. Well, I think that is important to know. Well, I want to thank you. Oh, thanks for, for having being me. It's here. good to good to bounce ideas off, and some of the thing comments you made about the digestion and everything get me thinking too. You know, the 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 body's very complex, and there's a lot of science. I mean, I read, I've read thousands of science papers. I know you I mean, have. read them, yeah, and kind of digested them and thought about them and seen seen the patterns of of things. You know, and not just relying on one paper or something like that, but really looking at the big picture. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's ever changing and, um, and, but then we have to make that practical and simple and practical and safe for people to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what my goal is. And I'm, I'm working on a book right now. Uh, it'll be a small paperback book. It'll be out probably maybe May or something like that. You know, Uh it'll be an easy read Mm -hmm. and it'll have some things in there about what we've talked about. And then something about a lot more detail on the nutrients and supplements in the mm-hmm. supplement side and mm-hmm. stuff. And then how to develop your plan and stuff like that, you know, how to develop a plan. But, you know, just start, you just got to get a pencil and paper out and start noodling some ideas around diet, exercise, intermittent fasting and supplements and start to put the plan together, Yeah, you know, and then, and, then, yeah. and then do it. Yeah. Now it's easy to do. It's also easy not to do. Oh, interesting. Anything in life is like that. Mm-hmm. Everything is doable. That mm-hmm. we've talked about, mm-hmm. yeah, I you know, agree. it really is, and and so it's easy to do it, but it's also easy not to do it, and that's a matter of choice, yeah, and 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 it's 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 like a batting average. I mean, I I, I fully expect, I mean, I know right now probably five percent of people in the sixty year old and over range are healthy, five percent, five percent in America, and yeah. the rest are not. Wow, and they and they vary depending on what condition there but five percent of people i would consider would be what i would consider to be a senior super athlete kind of you know more well, more athletic well, more yeah, athletic oriented yeah. um but we should all strive to get into that 10 percent range yeah but the fact is that most people are not because they're not going to do the things that they should do mm. and the reason they don't do it is one reason they don't do it is because they don't know what to do that's the first thing and then the second thing is they don't develop a plan, a consistent plan to do it. And then the third is they don't do it, mm. you know. So, but I would like to see 10% of the men and women over 45 start to get into something like this. Yeah. Because it will really change the tra- trajectory that we have in America. Right. From being this 80% of women centrally obese and 55% of men centrally obese in by in eight in seven years from now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and into where we're reversing that. It hasn't reversed really at a little blip in one year, but it hasn't reversed since like 1995. It mm. just keeps going up and up and up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we need to make that and, correction. And the population is aging. <clears throat> oh, that's I true. I mean, COVID has definitely uh, had an effect on the older generation. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we lost them all. There are right. still a lot of older people. And yeah. one thing, it may actually, you mentioned earlier, Johns Hopkins, uh, with their research, they've been pretty good. I, it may actually have been Johns Hopkins or MIT who came out with a study, this is about eight, eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, in which they stated 
that the average American over 65, the average, is taking between eight and nine prescription drugs every day. Yeah, wow. And so if you know people, well, you're 60, you said 65, 66. 66. 66. So do you take eight? Oh, God, no. Okay, so somebody else is taking your quota, <laughs> yeah, right? So some, somebody else is getting yours. The average is somebody's got a lot more. But I see that too. You get on one medication, and I know and med- medications can be important for people and life-saving and everything, but sometimes we get on a medication when we could self-medicate by just doing the right things, mm-hmm. and we rely on medication sometimes, I think quite often, to, to be our savior. Yeah. It's the same with supplements too. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, we rely on a supplement to be the magic pill, and it's a, like you said, a supplement, and it helps. Mm-hmm. It, it can contribute, and sometimes sizably. It's very important, like fish oil, for instance. I think yeah. everybody, everybody should be on fish, a good fish oil. Fish oil, because all the research is out there. Oh, it's so much of it, yeah. and it's so beneficial. Um, but um, and our diets are low in fish, you know, because yeah. some people are you know, some of the fishes. Farm-raised junk fish, and yeah. some of it is, and it's expensive and stuff like that. So, yeah. And the um, only thing is that a lot of people think that just because we were trained by a physician, that you just take one a day, oh. that they buy the cheapest fish oil they can get and just do one a day. Yeah. No. And I just want to let you know, folks, that many of the lower potency, not not quality, but lower potency, fourteen capsules fit in a tablespoon of liquid. Yeah. Some of them are more concentrated, so you could maybe get five that yeah. fit in a tablespoon. Mm-hmm. But for many people, taking a tablespoon and mixing it in cottage cheese or in a shake or take it straight or whatever yeah. uh, is a lot cheaper or less expensive than and more efficient than taking a capsule a day and think that you got it all covered. And I have said before, and I hope that people also check my website because the the show is called Health in Focus with Jacobus, but the website is healthinfocusnow.com. And you go there and there is indeed a quote that somebody told me once and it just sticks with me. And it says, there are too many people who live a short quality of life when they're young and die a long death. Mm -hmm. They get on medication, they start having diseases, etc., Versus the people who live a long quality of life yeah. and die a short death. Yeah. And, and you are talking to all these people who are right now at the cusp, Rick, of that age where you could start suffering a lot. Yeah. And you're trying to tell them this is the perfect time, 40s, 50s, 60s, where you can really move into a longer quality of life. And, and die a shorter death. We're all going to lose from father time. Right. But to have that benefit of better, better life, stronger, better digestion, mm-hmm. better sleep, clearer mind, mm-hmm. all these things combined is what give us quality. If you're just a zombie and you literally are dependent on pills... And I, I know plenty of people who are on many pills and I love them to death. They're good people. They've had a good life. It for them, it they're just so focused on trusting whatever the doctor is telling them. It's hard for them to listen to somebody like me who is not a doctor to say, well, I don't know if that's what I need to do. And I, I go with them wherever you want to go. This is fine. If this is what you're comfortable with, that's the way you got to live your life. But if you are concerned about it, then I want you to know that 
podcasts are such as today mm-hmm. is really what people can use on a daily basis and they will notice a big turnaround very quickly. This is not something that's going to take five years to notice something. You'll notice something within a week, within days. Yeah. You feel your muscles, you have a little bit more air, you feel a little bit more flexible That and that will extend throughout the weeks and months and your strength is building and your digestion starts working better, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a plan and I think your plan is is very well thought out and I know you continue to do your research and uh, you know I'm excited about about your book that you're coming yeah. out with. Thank you. Yeah, yep. yeah, you bet. And um, you already have a title. Um, I'm fussing with it a little bit, you know. Keep fussing. I, I, yeah, I'll have to shop it around a little bit. I'll have to shop it around a little bit. You yeah, know, what I'm going to call the thing, but uh, uh, I, I, the word flow is going to be in it. Yeah, I like a, your concept of flow and stagnant flow, ponds. Yeah, it's the like, flow. Uh, well, you know, I just I've worked with so many people, and I can just I can just see the stagnation. I can see it. You know, when I talk to people and I, and I look down at their belly and I say, I want to do this or I want to do, I said, well, see this, this is, this is the factory. Yeah. This is one of the things you've got to really address. Mm-hmm. And I, then I say, do you exercise? And well, I walk a little bit. I said, well, you need to do more. You just got to do more. Yeah. I mean, you if don't you want, have to make a play, but it's you. your choice. Yeah. It's ultimately the person's choice. Yeah. And like I said, the odds are that a lot of people are not going to choose to, to do it because I don't, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery of life. But we try to give them good information, let them put it in their brain, in their computer, mental computer, weigh all of it. Don't just go to the magic diet mm-hmm. or the magic this mm-hmm. is the cure. There's no easy – it's simple, mm-hmm. and I, it still is easy mm-hmm. because easy to me is something I can do mm-hmm. if I can do it. Now, somebody without legs, it's hard for them to do leg presses, okay? Yeah. You know, I mean, they can't, mm-hmm. okay? But if I can do leg presses or I can do – something with my arms or yeah. whatever, then that then that's that's easy. Mm-hmm. Then I have to get busy and, and, and I have to work on, work at it. Yeah. And then you're just gonna see the results. And generally from what I've seen, um just from parts of this, two months can be a life changer for somebody. Wow. Just okay. two months. Uh-huh. I mean measurable. I've had sure. people call me and say, Rick, my you know, I said, Well, okay. Go to your doctor, tell her what you do, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so um yeah, I, I fully anticipate that if you follow a program, um, and again, you don't have to be overwhelmed by it. Start with one thing or whatever. Start with mm-hmm. the not drinking water while you're at your meal. Start well, there. Yeah. Start getting get a resistance band if you want to train at home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're not confident at going to, I like going to a gym. And it doesn't. It, like I said, I take like a, I, I do work a, 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 like an hour. Yeah. A workout. Yeah. I, I train four to five days a week, so mm-hmm. five hours. So I spent five hours. Mm-hmm. Nobody has five hours. Mm-hmm. Some people watch foot NFL football on a, a three Sunday for, for three or four hours. Yeah, they watch two or three games. Yeah, you know. So there's time there. There's time that you can split up. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, Great. thank you so very much. Thank you. Yeah. Really it. enjoyed uh, this interview. I learned a lot. I learned a certain verbiage I yeah. wasn't aware of, mm-hmm. which is good. But you explained it really well. I do hope that people will contact you, Rick F. Brunner, B-R-U-N-N-E-R, at yahoo.com. And um, folks, and if you want to know more, learn more, go to my website, healthinfocusnow.com. And you can find more articles and, and podcasts where all this comes from. So we appreciate your time today, or however long it took you to listen to this, yeah. and hope to talk to you again soon. 
All the best. Bye-bye.